0: This is Data Podcast. In the ever changing world of data, this is the podcast packed full of information to keep you right on top of all the developments. From AWS and Azure, through to data science, big data, AI, and NoSQL, and everything in between, we cover the essential updates from both a technical and non technical perspective, including special guests and in depth interviews. Now, please welcome your hosts, Rajiv Baha and Shabnam Khan, with today's episode of Data Podcast.
1: Our guest today is Ruben Krugel. Ruben is head of data at Visco, a creative platform and a community of expression. His focus is in designing the data strategy, understanding user behavior, and designing metrics for the entire organization. Prior to Visco, Ruben was the head of content analytics at Udemy. And before that, he had a completely different career developing and uh, troubleshooting, cheap manufacturing technology. Ruben's interests, span, uh, statistics, machine learning, economics, and photography. Well, with that said, uh, welcome to our data podcast, Ruben. I'm your, your host, Rajiv, and I'm joined by Shabnam, a fellow data analyst. Uh, I hope you had a great week. You-
2: yeah, thanks for having me. Thank, me. You.
1: Thank you. You're welcome. Yeah, in your role, you're in charge of data governance at Visco. Uh, would you like to elaborate on that?
2: Um, sure. I mean, I think as a, as the a head of data at Visco, I have my responsibilities are not only to deliver insights and analysis, but also making sure that um, we collect the right data, that the data is accessible, and that the data is is correct. So, in a sense, a big part of my role is to um, make sure that you know all, all of the pipelines and, and, and the data work the way they're supposed to. Um, and delivering the insights that, that we expect at the end. So that includes um, uh, uh, working with engineers and product managers on instrumenting events and, and making sure we're collecting um, the, the kind of things that we want to collect in the app. It also means working with data engineering on um, specifying what type of data do we want to move into the analytics pipeline, and do we do we want to store in our analytics warehouse? It also involves um, setting up guidelines and, and policies around how long do we keep the data, do we roll it up, uh, how do we reconcile when we have uh, dupes, um, and it also uh, involves uh, working very closely with data engineering on. Setting up the, the the architecture of our data and the architecture of our um, uh, database warehouse, uh, so that we have the data in the right format and we can access it in, in the most efficient way.
3: Awesome! It's, uh, it seems like you really enjoy uh, digging into the data world and talking about that. Uh, I we read the article uh, Gregory's article in KD Nuggets and talked. In there, it's mentioned top three most heavily used data science algorithms were regression, clustering, and decision trees. In your projects, how useful were they? And what are some of your favorite KD nuggets, uh, like online, online resources, where you, uh, where you found good code examples, articles, and podcasts?
2: So to answer your first question, before even going into algorithms and, and statistical modeling, I think the first step for for every data scientist and every every data analyst is to uh, verify their data and verify that the counts are correct. Uh, I think um, people are often surprised that a lot of insights, uh, especially for young companies, can be extracted just by counting stuff. You know, like a ratio of how many people did that over how many people did that. and, you know, that, that's like, that's what you do when you do A-B test. That's what you do when you do, like, when you have a funnel analysis or conversion, like, of the, of the, you know, of the, all the people who downloaded my app this week, how many of them created an account? How many of them came back the next day? How many of them uh, converted and bought, uh, something? For all these questions, which are pretty fundamental, you don't need any, uh, algorithm, any, uh, statistical modeling. The statistical modeling only comes when you start, um, you want to try to predict things, um that are a little bit more, uh, subtle. Or you want to understand, uh, potentially, you know, what could be the, the leading, um, the leading causes of, of people doing a certain action. What, what makes people more likely to stick around or what makes people more likely to churn? When you are faced with those questions, which are like more like second-order questions, then you need to uh, incorporate uh, more information, and that's when you need to start uh, using more sophisticated methods. That being said, um, I completely agree with this um, claim that there really are only three algorithms or three methodologies that are useful. Uh, one is regression analysis, and, and that's like the bread and butter of of most um, you know correlation and, and causation uh, analysis. Uh, that's like a very well established methods being used by the social sciences, by um, you know biology, medicine, uh, health sciences, uh, and that's something that I think everyone should know both uh, how to use it, but also the limitations. Um, the second um, method which is clustering uh um, is also very important and i typically use it for uh unsupervised um, uh cases so you don't necessarily you're not necessarily trying to predict what people will do um, but you're just trying to uh group people into uh buckets of similar behavior or buckets of uh similar uh, characteristics. And the, the way you do it is by using a clustering algorithm, an unsupervised clustering algorithm. The typical one is a k-means. And the third um, algorithm is decision tree. Uh, and the big advantage of decision tree is that it uh, allows for infinite number of interaction and it's a non-linear uh, algorithm. So sometimes you want to know um, what makes someone more likely to say do a purchase. So you can do it two ways. You can either imagine that the or or come up with hypotheses of all the you know the potential predictors of, of of purchase and and run a linear regression. But when you run a linear regression, you assume two things. You assume one that there's a linea- linear relationship between uh, the um, uh, the predictors and 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 what you're trying to predict, but you also, in most cases, you run um, a linear regression without interaction terms, so you assume that there's no interaction between those two. However, you could run the same analysis with a decision tree or an ensemble of, of decision trees, like random forest or boosted trees. And when you do that, basically, you let the algorithm decide, um, you know, where what what variables matter. Uh, in whatever and you let like any number of interactions happen. So, if for example, if someone sign in and they um, have been using your app for uh, like every day for the last week, um, and they also have um, purchased uh, something in the past, the combination of all three things probably make them much more likely to purchase something else. That um, just one of those events by themselves. So the fact that having interaction is, is very um, is very important and is and, and very powerful. And also not being tied to a linear model uh, can be also very powerful.
1: That's great. You kind of went over um, some part of my next question, uh, which is about like how your organization is applying, let's say. Evolving branches of artificial intelligence because we keep hearing new terms such as machine learning, deep learning, and reinforced learning. Would you mind sharing a uh, few details?
2: I think, I think it's important here to uh, distinguish between, you know, machine learning and, and things are what we call maybe artificial intelligence or deep learning, reinforced learnings. Um things are maybe a little bit more, uh, complex and black box um, So machine learning can be used in many different realms and in particular can be used to um, create and, and run like a, a prediction model of churn or prediction model of like retention of users. I have used it to um, uh, do clustering of, of users within, uh, within segments. So I've used machine learning and came in to uh, organize people in, in segments and then uh, use these segments to uh, look at what's happening with our users and, and make um, analysis with, the, with our product features. Um, we also use um, more advanced uh, uh, methods uh, in computer vision. So we have algorithms that try to recognize what's inside a photo. We have algorithms that try to uh link um two photos that are similar we have algorithms that are trying to detect the quality of a of a photo and all of those use um like method of like you know recurring neural nets um, so that's you know what people call like deep learning and those are more like black box um, algorithms
3: wow that sounds really interesting to me so on that note i would be really interested to learn um, how your company is uh, more unique compared to other platforms, let's say uh, Instagram, because many people nowadays, we're really um, aware of Instagram. So, if you don't mind sharing uh, more of a unique approach that your company takes uh, as compared to VSCO, that would be awesome. Uh,
2: sure. I think, um, I mean, there are obvious similarities between Visco and Instagram, the fact that you can use the app to edit your photos, that you can share photos within within a network of, of people and you can discover other photos. Um, the biggest dissimilarity, though, is that Instagram is um, essentially a, a social network or a, a social platform. And the uh, the currency on Instagram is number of people who like your photos or who view your videos. And that's what motivates people. So you... Um the general use case on Instagram is you connect with your friends and you want to see what's happening with them. And then you post something and you want to see that your friends are seeing it and they are liking it and commenting on it. Um, whereas Visco is much more focused on connecting creators together, con- connecting culture creators. Um, and it's about um, this idea that you take photos that are interesting, uh to people in general they're not interesting because of who is in the photo uh or who took the photo but they're interesting because of what's in the photo uh so perhaps you are a landscape photographer or perhaps you are um, a food photographer and and you have like a very unique way of of taking photos and you want to share that with other people and you also want to discover what other people are doing in their art of photography and so for that reason, Visco doesn't have this currency of likes and views. We don't, um we, we don't count the number of likes in a photo, uh, but we allow people who are not necessarily friends in real life to connect with each other so that they can inspire from each other and they can also, um, you know, try to create culture together. So it's a very different, uh, use case, uh, and, and it really talks to a more sort of like uh, sophisticated, uh, but also um, uh, more advanced, uh, maybe not advanced is not the right word, but uh, um, someone who is more curious about um, the art and, and, and culture of photography as opposed to someone who is just out there to document uh, their lives with no intention of, of creating art.
1: I know you are also a photographer like a, uh, what kind of photography are you into like portrait landscape traveling or like uh, do you experiment with a different kind of technique so uh, I'm really curious what to learn about that
2: um, I wouldn't consider myself a photographer um, I like taking photos and I like um, you know discovering new photos but I'm not really uh, I'm not really a photographer I don't have like advanced equipment and I I don't um, spend enormous you know time or effort to refine my my um, my craft. Uh in general I tend to like uh landscape photographies or photography of urban um environments and that's what the kind of things that I um, you know tend to collect on, on disco. Um but I don't produce a lot of photography myself.
3: Fair enough. I think that in our busy work life we um, we barely have time, sometimes even um the energy to spare on you know, a lot on our hobbies. And you know, on your um comment about the urban photography, you know, I did go to school for urban planning and you know, I know exactly how photography can be can bring so much life to uh, you know, the landscape and the urban format and particular urban form. So I really enjoy that and I sometimes when I get a chance I do play around with uh Photoshop and other um, Adobe suite tools with urban photographer um, urban um, photos and you know try to see how I can make it more lovely mm-hmm. and from a particular uh, landscape uh perspective. So <laughs> but that's a different realm to explore. So uh, would you mind telling us about your social media presence and where we can find out and reach out to you?
2: Um, so I try to um, post and repost uh, interesting articles or, or findings uh, on data science, both on Twitter and LinkedIn. So you can find me on Twitter, my hashtag, uh, so not my hashtag, my, uh, my username is uh, ChiliconData, um, And on LinkedIn, under my name, um, I also tend to uh, post similar things between Twitter and LinkedIn. Um, So, yeah, feel free to follow me either on Twitter or LinkedIn.
1: Awesome. Uh, Thank you, Ruben. Uh, That's about all the questions we had. Uh, We're really grateful for you participating with us.
2: We hope
0: you enjoyed listening to this episode of Data Podcast. You're welcome to follow our hosts on Twitter at Rajib2K5 at Shabnam Khan 2017 and on YouTube at youtube.com Rajib2k5. Our episodes are also available via iTunes, SoundCloud, Google and other podcasting platforms. Thank you for tuning in.